Hey super friends, my name is Neil and welcome to this episode 84 of the Get Your Comic Con podcast. We're here fortnightly-ish to bring you a slice of film, TV and pop culture goodness from our studio direct to your speakers. I'm flying solo for most of the episode this week as we take a deep dive on the latest DC Comics animated movie, Legion of Superheroes. Never fear though, as we will be joined by not one, not two, but four of the film's cast and creative team a little later in the episode to uh, discuss everything about this latest entry into the DC animated universe. But first, let's cover off a couple of this week's biggest stories in the news. Disney and Lucasfilm this week announced that the second volume of the animated anthology series Star Wars Visions will premiere exclusively on Disney Plus on May the 4th, 2023. Following on from its Emmy-nominated first volume, the newest will continue to push the boundaries of Star Wars storytelling with nine new shorts from nine studios from across the globe. This is a really exciting list of studios, so get ready. So the studios involved with volume two include El Guiri from Spain, Cartoon Saloon from Ireland, Punk Robot from Chile, Ardman Animation from here in the UK, Studio Mer from South Korea, Studio La Cachette from France, 88 Pictures from India, Dart... Sh- oh, good luck with this one. Dart Shao from Japan, butchered, apologies, and Triggerfish from South Africa. The... Oh, I've got to say it again. The Dart Shao short was created in collaboration with Lucasfilm in the US. Episode titles for season two include Sith, Screech's Reach, In the Stars, I Am Your Mother, Journey to the Dark Head, The Spy Dancer, The Bandits of Golak, The Pit, and another one which I'm probably going to pronounce wrongly, but Ao's Song. You can head over to our website now to check out all of the details, including who uh, the directors are and little synopsis on each of the episodes which are going to make up part of Volume 2. So as I said, Star Wars Visions Volume 2 will be available to stream exclusively on Disney Plus on May the 4th, 2023. Also this week, Universal dropped a teaser poster for the upcoming trailer for Fast X. Uh, The 10th film in the Fast and Furious franchise will release in cinemas in the UK in May and Universal are teasing that they are soon going to release the first trailer for the film. So what they've confirmed is that the trailer is going to drop on the 10th of February and uh, that's obviously very fitting given that it's the 10th film in the franchise. And the poster itself is just a very uh, sombre image of uh, Vin Diesel's Dominic Toretto with his silver cross necklace, uh, which has obviously been with him for almost the entire franchise now. The film itself will come crashing into UK cinemas on the 19th of May 2023. So stay tuned, Uh, probably in our next episode we will cover off the trailer for Fast X. And finally in the news this week we have to cover off the sad news that Warner Brothers and DC Comics have confirmed that three of their HBO Max series will be coming to an end. Uh, Pennyworth has already ended its third season and will not be returning for a fourth and both Titans and Doom Patrol will be ending when their fourth seasons wrap up later in the year. We still don't know when the second half of either Doom Patrol or Titans will be airing. There is a rumour that Titans returns in May, which would likely mean that Doom Patrol would return in sort of June-July time, but this is unconfirmed at the time. Just to confirm, none of these shows are are being cancelled in a sort of late notice, no, we're not bringing you back sense. It's a mutual decision that all of the series will end this year. Pennyworth does end on somewhat of a cliffhanger if you've watched season three. In terms of Titans and Doom Patrol, much like Stargirl on the CW, they were given some kind of forewarning that they would be ending this year, and so they have been able to craft suitable endings to both of their seasons so that they can act as series finales. Very, very sad. Obviously, if you listen to this podcast, you know we started nearly a hundred episodes ago talking about Titans and Doom Patrol. So they have been somewhat of a foundation for us over the last few years. Uh, I'm very, very sad to see them go, but also very happy to see that both shows are going out with amazing seasons this year. So we will be back covering both of those when they return later in the year. Uh, For now, we are mourning the loss of both the Titans and Doom Patrol 
Sorry, that's a really sad way to end the news this week, but uh, let's go on to something a little bit brighter. So releasing on DVD in the UK on February the 6th and coming to digital platforms on February the 7th is the latest of Warner Brothers Animation and DC Comics animated movies and this one is called Legion of Superheroes. It's directed by Jeff Wamister, written by Josie Campbell and stars a huge cast with some very familiar voices. Uh, So we have the wonderful Meg Donnelly who is voicing Cara Danvers' Supergirl. We also have... uh, Darren Chris returning as Superman, Jensen Ackles returning as Batman, Matt Bomer returning as The Flash, and they are joined by Yuri Lowenthal, who is voicing Monel, Harry Shum Jr. as Brainiac 5. The film also stars Robbie Damond, Gideon Alden, Eric Lopez, Daisy Lightfoot, Cynthia Hamidi, Eli Henry, Jennifer Hale, Victoria Grace, Ben Diskin, and Darren DePaul. This time around, the film focuses on Kara, devastated by the loss of Krypton, as she struggles to adjust to her new life on Earth. Superman mentors her, but meanwhile she must contend with a mysterious group called the Dark Circle, who searches for a powerful weapon held in the Legion Academy vault. So this one takes place somewhat in the present day and somewhat in the future. So, uh, well, and also partly in the past. So it opens up with a very cool... um, Origin for Kara, set on Krypton, which plays out a sequence that we've seen many times before from the point of view of Cal, uh, and then catches up with her as a modern-day fish out of water. Now, obviously, if you know Supergirl's backstory, you know that she was somewhat older. She had lived a life on Krypton before it was destroyed. So when she arrives on Earth, she is not in the same position as Clark, whereby he gets to grow up and be very much a human. She is an alien trying to live amongst humans on Earth, with the knowledge that everyone that she's ever known and loved has passed away. And so she struggles. She really struggles to try and settle in. And so Clark, using some technology which is available to him, takes her to the future to spend some time training with the Legion. And that introduces us to a world of brand new characters who we've not met before in this universe, but also kind of leaves her a fish out of water in another time period as well. And so we get to see her learning to to use her powers and to fit in with this group of mismatched heroes in the future as the dark circle are also after a very particular weapon which might have ties to brainiac 5 played by harry sham jr and brainiac himself who may or may not appear in this film and it's a cool little introduction to kara that is um not straightforward in terms of it's not the norm that we would maybe expect to see in a film like this it It plays a lot on characters that you might be aware of from the Supergirl show, like Brainy and also Monel, and it really revels in the the comic book legacy of the Legion of Superheroes. So before I give you some more of my thoughts on this, we uh, were very, very lucky to get to interview a number of people who were involved in this film. So I have spoken to director Jeff Wamister and writer Josie Campbell, I also had the chance to speak with voice actor Yuri Lowenthal, who in this film portrays Monel, but you may also know him as the voice of Spider-Man in the uh, hugely, hugely popular PlayStation game, which has a sequel coming out later this year. And then James was able to sit down with Zeno Robinson, who voices the Invisible Kid in this film, and is very well known for his voice work in Dragon Ball Super as Gamma 2, My Hero Academia, where he plays Hawks. He's also... Uh, worked on Turning Red, the Disney Pixar film, and was the voice of Sean in The Mitchells vs. The Machines. So, first of all, I think we should hear from director Jeff Wamister to get his thoughts on creating the world of the Legion of Superheroes. Uh, How are you doing, Neil? I'm good, thank you. How are you doing? Good, good, man. So, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on this film. I've uh, really enjoyed watching it the past couple of days, getting ready to, to chat tonight. Um, but it has this really wonderfully broad cast of characters. You've got, you know, you've got Kara, who's front and centre, um, with this wonderful mm-hmm. cast, both in the present day and, and the future. Uh, can you talk a bit about kind of deciding who should be in this, who forms part of the ensemble cast around her? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I think it's the younger, uh, 
characters like in the Legion, um, and they're also characters that are uh, much easier to visually show a lot of the powers uh, quickly, so it can give uh, a good quick action on it without having to explain, you know, use exposition to kind of um, bring who the characters are out. We can see very quickly visually right right when we start to introduce them. And of course, I'm sure there's a probably a small part of the audience out there who may have never been exposed to these characters before. Is that something that kind of factors in to the decision making process when you're deciding, I guess, both visually how to introduce the characters, but also who mm-hmm. to bring into the story? So the question you're asking is, can you repeat that question? Sure. Yeah. So just. It, the the fact that you know not everyone who'll be watching the film is maybe intimately aware of kind of mm-hmm. DC Comics history does does that factor into some of your decision making about how to introduce certain characters that the audience may not be aware of already? Uh, absolutely. I mean, if you don't know the history of, of the comic and the Legion itself. Of course, if you're coming into this and you've never seen it, we want to make sure that the characters are clear and easy to uh, read both in their motivations as well as like their visual powers, what they're capable of, um, as well as like we're kind of trying to show these are the youngins uh, in the Legion. They're trying to get in, so we want them to be also like, are some of them gonna ma- are some of them actually gonna make it in or not make it in depending on their powers? Yeah. So that. You know, trying to find that personal power is integral. It's kind of similar to uh, the arc that Supergirl's going through, right? She, she's just discovering these powers. She's trying to find her place. These characters are trying to do the same thing, depending on what kind of powers they have. Do they have? Do they fit into this thing? Where do they find that power or that strength within them to do what they need to do? Which is the same thing that Supergirl is trying to do. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's something that I was I was going to pick up on. She is very much this mm-hmm. fish out of water both in the the present day and, you know, to begin with in the future as well. And I think that yeah, right. that kind of I guess maybe the right term is the sort of emotional backbone to an arc like that is something which I think these films do really well. And so what I was going to ask you is, is that something that you feel is very important when you're developing a project like this or you know when you're then bringing that story to life how important is it to kind of balance that with the the big action sequences i i think there's an emotional story that we always need to go through when we walk into these stories it's like does the character change depending on those challenges that they're faced with or don't or or do they stay the same and that's always the question when you want to walk into a story on this stuff it to, to to be a very interesting arc they have to change or not change. And why do we get there and what kind of things? And anytime we see those mirrors in the story, it's really important. I think all of those characters that we see in the Legion are mirrors for her yeah. of moving from from that point of being a fish out of water to finding her place. And I think they all kind of go through that that evolution through the story. And then I suppose finding that emotional center as well and trying to bring that out in the in the best way possible and communicate that to the audience can also feed through into mm-hmm. into the casting. And obviously you're working with Wes Gleason, who is somewhat of a legend in the DC mm-hmm. universe. What's what's your kind of process like uh working with the 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 kind of casting and voice director? Uh, uh Wes is an absolute monster. He brings <laughs> he always seems to bring the right person. For it, uh, I'm always surprised because we get to hit the ground running when we walk in to do the uh, records. Um, it, it seems like they already kind of know where they're going from the start, and we only have to kind of um, uh, steer the ship a little bit left or, or starboard or port, <laughs> you know, just slightly. Um, but, you know, which is, I think, what Wes really brings to it. It's like he really knows how to bring the right person to the, to the project um, and give them their own voice, too. Um, yeah. And I think with this cast, it wasn't hard. And, and Supergirl was just, um, I think her her performance was really stunning. I think we, <laughs> you know, when we had that moment um, with her mom, it was it yes. was really powerful. Even in the recording, um, it, it kind of shocked us right there. And we knew, like I knew, I wanted to be a part of that 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 time when she talks to her mom. That that. Um, you know, get into the the boarding of that section for the animation. It was 
really inspiring to do that part. Um, so I was like, super excited just just from the voice acting and that performance there was amazing. Yeah, that that opening sequence is incredibly emotional, and just any moment between Kara and her mum is, is played so well, and then it it just balances yeah, out against the action so well as well. I feel like this film has a really wonderful balance between some really huge action sequences and then these equally huge emotional character beats. And I I feel like this new kind of continuity that we've got through the last few of these films, which obviously, you you know, you've directed three of these now, is something, Mm -hmm. uh, particularly with the, I mean, on both sides, but particularly with the action, I feel like it's really pushing boundaries with that level of scope and scale. And I wanted to ask, is that something that excites you about working on these projects, is bringing that level of both the emotion and the action to the screen? Very, very much. It's something I really, uh, I think me and Butch really enjoy bringing to to screen is being able to give these characters range rather than kind of treating it like, uh, you know, just, oh, it's just a cartoon. We're trying to, we're trying to bring a lot of that full range that you could have in an animated uh, feature um, with something like this, especially characters like this. I mean, it's something me and Butch grew up reading comics and we could see that range could be hit on these, on these kinds of things. And, and we're super excited to be able to bring those to screen uh, having characters have this much depth. Yeah, absolutely. And I realize I, when I talk to directors on these DC films, often I kind of jump to ask, what the reaction was like when they saw the final product for the first time. But when I was watching this film, something that struck me really, really quickly was uh, Kevin Ripple's score. It's so theatrical and epic. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to ask, rather than kind of what was your reaction like when you saw the final film, what was it like when you heard some of that music? Because it, of kind of recent memory, thinking about DC films, this is the score that stood out to me the most. It's just, it's so epic. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, I, I much appreciate. But Butch leads a lot of that that part of it. Um, but he always brings, uh, always has the, the brings the uh, the soundtrack for something like this. He he makes sure it matches. And I'm always impressed when I see the final film from where I come from, which is the storytelling part of it. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's always stunning to see how well he does uh, on on bringing the depth from the music. Um, it, it, <laughs> I always enjoy watching the final product when I actually get to see it. <laughs> I think this is, is definitely a film which I wish I could see on the big screen because it is just, it, the scale of it is, is magical to watch. Um, final question for me. Across, I mean, yeah. across the three films that you've done now, you know, you've worked with the Justice Society, you've worked with Green Lantern, you've now worked mm-hmm. with the Legion, you've had some of DC's, you know, best known and some of their greatest characters. Is there someone that you've not worked with yet from the roster of DC that you would like to work with? Oh, uh, that you can yeah. say is probably the right. Uh, I should probably caveat that with. anything with Aquaman yet that I would love to yeah. try. Um, <laughs> that would be pretty interesting. I've, it's something I've always wanted to try. I like trying uh, characters that are a little um, off the main, you know, DC uh, big time names. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, although, you know, Aquaman is coming around, but it's something I always, when I was a kid, was like, I love the slightly offbeat characters and seeing what you can do with them to make them exciting and see if you can't elevate them to the level of the big three, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Aquaman's one of those characters I was always interested in. Hopefully the powers right. that be are listening to this. Uh, thank you very much. It's I uh, really appreciate the time you've taken today. It's lovely chatting to you. A massive thank you to Jeff for sitting down to chat with me about this film. It was a genuine pleasure. I can't believe it was the first time we'd spoken because he did also direct the Justice Society World War II animated movie that came out last year. So somehow we didn't manage to match up schedules and chat about that film. So it was nice to finally get a chance to talk to him. Now, let's hear from writer Josie Campbell. Now, this was a really fun interview. I could have chatted to Josie for hours. 
Not only is Josie a huge comic book fan, but she is also a comic book writer. She's just finished the new Champion of Shazam series, which is available now, has had stories in some of the Lazarus Planet event, which is currently rattling off in the pages of DC Comics. She is also producing the My Adventures with Superman cartoon that was announced a little while ago and is hopefully coming up later this year, and now has written for this wonderful animated movie as well. So let's have a listen to what Josie had to say. Hey, Josie, how are you doing? I'm good, how are you? I am great, thank you. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me about Legion of Superheroes. I am very excited. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Let's start at the beginning. How did you come on board to, to write this film? Um, so I had worked with uh, the fantastic Jim Krieg um, before at Warner Brothers on Justice League Action. So he gave me a call up one day and said, hey, we are thinking of doing a Supergirl Legion of Superheroes thing for the DTVs. Would you be interested? And then he listened to me spend the next hour explaining every part of my favorite Legion comic, Rebels, and how much I love Real Docs and Brainiac 5. And he was like, I don't need to give you this enthusiastic. You can just say yes. <laughs> So yeah, so I came on because Jim asked me to, um, there wasn't really a, a story yet, they just knew they wanted to do something with the Legion, so being a super fan, I jumped at the, uh, the chance to do something new, write a new sort of story with these characters. Amazing. So I was I was talking to Jeff earlier about this, and um, I was saying to him, you know, this, ca- this film has a wonderfully broad set of characters in it. Um, now, I, I, this could go one of two ways. So I was going to say, how did you decide to... Uh, you know which characters to use to build out that world so as a super fan i'm guessing you're thinking i want everyone i want everyone in this film <laughs> absolutely which i think like bush who was the uh, art producer is like we can't have it <laughs> um so for me it was sort of the same thing um as sort of coming up with the original plot i there basically jim had a bunch of and dc and warner brothers had a bunch of uh omnibus collections of all of the collected legion from like the golden age to like the current time uh so part one of that was i would dive into basically every era and i'd read a couple of stories and like see like who stands out to me what would be fun to play with um and then the other thing was again like i was a fan of rebels i was also as a kid a big fan of um sort of the my cbs got the reprints of like uh darkness saga and the Keith Giffen stuff. And I remember seeing a comic in the store that had the dark circle on it. And it was all people of different like ages and sizes and shapes, but all with this dark, scary mask on. And it like gave me nightmares and I couldn't stop thinking about it. So the second part of this was I already knew I was like, if I get to choose the villains, I want to choose the ones that gave me nightmares as a child that I love so much. Uh, so yeah, so it was a combination of picking characters I liked from kind of every era I could get my hands on and <laughs> picking out the characters that uh, scared me and left a lasting impression. That that doesn't even sound like work. That just sounds like an amazing day at the office to me. <laughs> if we, it, um... it truly was like Jim gave me a bunch of comics and like came back and there was like a Charlie Day, like Pepe Silva style, like murder board on the wall of like the whole plot. I'm like, I've got an idea. And then if we bring it back to uh, to Kara, to Supergirl for a moment, because obviously she is kind of at the centre of this storyline and this huge, I think really exciting emotional arc where she's this fish out of water, both in the present day alongside Clark and with Batman and then finding her footing in the in the future with the Legion. Can you talk a bit about kind of creating that arc for her character? Uh, yeah. Well, I, I really love Kara. Cause, I mean, I love the Super family to begin with. Um, but I feel like people talk a lot about how Superman is sort of the immigrant story or the adoptee story. But to me, like, Kara is the refugee story. Yeah. Like, she had, unlike Kal-El, who, like, Clark, who grew up entirely on Earth, like, he's a Midwestern boy. Like, he's an Earthling by all accounts. Like, Kara grew up on Krypton. She remembers being there. She was ready to start her entire life. Like, the fact that she was a young woman when the planet blew up and everything got ripped away from her meant that 
she has had to recalibrate herself so much more than, than Clark ever has had to. Um, so that really interested me as like a starting point for this character of like, what does it feel like when your entire world is gone, your family is gone, everything you've ever known is gone, the life you thought you were going to have is gone, and now you're starting over somewhere where they don't even really like you. Yeah. Um, so to sort of start with taking Kara and sort of like trauma and emotional journey seriously, like really let me dig into who she is as a character. Um, and, you know, it's not all just trauma. Like I think the other thing that I really like about her was she's so resilient. It's like she has a sense of grit about her. Like all of this terrible stuff has happened to her and she still wants to save the day and help people. Um, and I think those two things, sort of her trauma and her terrible, tragic backstory mixed with her, like, need to prove herself and need to help others and stop that from happening is, like, such a rich character and something that I have so much fun playing with here. Absolutely. And you get to tell that kind of Krypton story from from Kara's angle, which is something that we don't see very often outside of comic books. Um, you know, mm-hmm. seeing her perspective of what happens, and you really get to dig into that relationship. I mean, even in that small time, you dig into the relationship between Kara and Allura, and oh my god, mm-hmm. do Meg Donnelly and Jennifer Hale play the, the absolute hell out of that scene? Have you, I'm, I'm guessing you have had a chance to watch it back. What was your reaction like to, to seeing those two actors bring your words to life in that moment? Oh. Because it's such a powerful opening. It was so good. I, because, you know, like, I, I wrote it and, you know, in my head, it was like, I hope this is a tearjerker. Like, I hope people <laughs> like the heart. And, yeah, the first time I watched it, like, I cried and I wrote it. <laughs> They they did the, the the actors in this are absolutely phenomenal. Like everybody's bringing their A game. Like Harry Shum Jr. is incredible. Yeah. Like you know Darren Chris and Jensen Ackles like are so good. And like I I have to give a big shout out to like Wes Leeson who's the voice director because like this is like I, I you know like I'm biased because I wrote this but I really feel like this is like some of his best and most nuanced directing work. Like everybody hits so well and everybody feels exactly like the characters. Yeah, yeah, they do. You're absolutely right. I think at the moment these films are just the best that they have ever been. When you're when you're writing this story and you're kind of I guess seeing in your in your mind what it might look like when it comes to the screen, you're obviously trying to balance these amazing emotional character beats with the kind of the comic book action and the the big fight scenes that a lot of fans will come to it to expect from them is there a kind as you're writing it or as you're trying to structure that story is there a push and pull between the the kind of the emotional side and the action side as you're trying to satisfy both yeah i mean it's, it's always like a fun balancing act um and you know i've i've worked in animation action adventure for the past like seven, eight years of my career. Yeah. Um, so, so is, you know, I always describe it to the writers I work with is it's, it's, it's actually a little bit like writing a musical. Like mm. the action scenes are the musical numbers and you need those to convey the emotions just as much as the like talking head scenes. So for me, it wasn't just, we got to write a really cool, badass action scene. Like for me, it was like, okay, you know, Brainiac 5 and Supergirl are going to fight what, emotion is being conveyed by this what new information are we getting from this fight scene uh you know like we've got you know the dark circle like what are they conveying we've got you know solomon grundy fighting supergirl like what does that say about her character that this is the way she fights so i think for me the action scenes were just another way to convey these characters and the emotions and continue the plot along with having, you know, Solomon Grundy with this, like, giant laser gun shooting out buildings. And I don't want to get into spoiler territory, but there is one particular scene that I just wanted to pick up on from later in the film with Brainiac that really veers into, like, classic body horror as well. I mean, you were really playing with genres when it comes to moments in this film because you've got those action-adventure moments, there is some romance in there, and then this body horror moment comes in that was just outstanding to watch. I I really got the sense that you were loving playing with different kind of elements and genres as you were writing it. Oh yeah, I mean you know the the most the most fun with playing with these superhero characters is like you know superhero comics have been able to touch on like almost every genre. You've got more, you've got horror, you've got mm, yeah. you know like superheroes. So like basically to me like all of that stuff you know supports the main story and supports Kara's story. So why not throw it in? Like it just you know, it, 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 it takes it takes what is happening emotionally and just sort of drives it to 11. 
Now, I'm, I could quite happily talk to you about this for hours, but I realise that our time is running out. So I just wanted to ask, what's next for you? What are you working on at the moment that you can tell us? I add. Um, <laughs> yeah, what I can tell you is um, the uh, last issue of the new Champion of Shazam, the uh, Mary uh, yes. Shazam comic book that I've been working on just came out. Uh, so that is available for pickup as well as uh, I've got stories in Lazarus Planet and Lazarus Planet Revenge of the Gods which are coming out this month, February, and March. So uh, if you read comics, period, uh, take a look out for me writing some more Mary and Shazam in uh, uh, DC. Oh, excellent. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, best of luck. I can't wait to see how fans react to this film. I think it was absolutely brilliant. Oh, thank you. Honestly, I really could have just talked to her all day. So thanks very much, Josie, for joining us. So I guess I should probably give you some of my thoughts on this film. This is another one of DC's films in their new uh, animated shared universe. So it follows on from Superman, Man of Tomorrow, into Batman Year One, Justice Society, World War Two, and the, the recently released Green Lantern film. So this is another look at the, I guess, f- formation of, I'm going to guess, the super team that we'll see in Justice League War World, which is out later this year. So this is why you've got... Uh, Matt Bomer's Flash, Jensen Ackles' Superman, and uh, Darren Chris's Superman, who all make small appearances in this film. They're not main cast members here. They are very much supporting to Meg Donnelly as Supergirl, who's the real focus. As for Donnelly herself, I think she does a really good job of playing Supergirl. There's a very emotional connection between her and her mother, who's played by Jennifer Hale. The opening sequence in Krypton is a highlight of this new animated universe. It's one of the best scenes I think we've seen in any of the films so far and really sets the scene for Kara as a character through the rest of the film. I think the introduction of the Legion of Superheroes is also really exciting. It's nice to see a bunch of characters who we maybe don't see so much on film. They're all really well voiced and each have their own individual personalities that go with their superpowers and so it's not just a generic group of secondary characters that we get to see in this future setting. There's potential there to run with that whole group as their own set of characters in in a future film already which is really really nice to see the storyline feels very tied to Kara and Monel and Brainiac and the super team and so that helps keep it I think focused on her and her journey despite the fact that there is all these other things that are going on and that you're also in this outlandish future setting once again I think there's a really good mix of action and character beats that are going on here so like i just pointed out we have this really emotional scene in krypton which also has some quite high stakes action because obviously the planet is being destroyed there's a really great fight sequence that features superman and batman and a classic villain alongside kara before she goes to the future and then there's plenty of action and twists as well in the future to keep the audience entertained it's another very very solid entry into this animated universe i don't know that it quite matches up to Justice Society World War Two, which I think is my favourite of this new continuity so far, but it's certainly a very, very solid, very, as you would expect from these movies, very, very well-produced entry into the DC animated universe. I want to pause there for a second and hear from the first of our two actors that we have interviews with. So first up is Yuri Lowenthal, who I was very excited to get to speak to because his Spider-Man is awesome, and he has a long history with DC as well, so he was actually the voice of Superboy in the Legion of Superheroes cartoon that aired back in the early 2000s. So he has a long history with this this particular team of heroes. So I was really excited to get to chat to him about what keeps him coming back to the DC universe and also the legacy of this, this um, group of very, very cool characters. So let's hear from Yuri Lowenthal on his role as Monel in this film. Okay, so Legion of Superheroes... What can you yeah. tell me about your version of Monel and where we find him in this film? Uh, Monel uh, in this film is 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 kind of uh, you know Supergirl's entree into the into the Legion of Superheroes. Obviously, Superman uh, brings her there uh, to to train, but but Monel is sort of uh, her guide and uh, dare I say uh, first crush <laughs> at uh, at the at the Legion. Um, and it was, uh, it was it was super fun having having played many elves in the past. 
um, it was it was nice to be able to add Monel to my <laughs> list of, of elves. <laughs> was he a character that you were familiar with from the comics, or did you you know go back and do any research before you took on this role? Um, I I didn't do any extra research. I was familiar uh, with him, um, and he had uh, he had actually I believe made an appearance. In when when I was on the Legion of Superheroes show mm. uh, many years ago, I think uh, I think Gary just reminded me of like seventeen years. That's impossible. It couldn't <laughs> be seventeen years years ago. I'm not that old. Um, but uh, but Mono makes an appearance uh, there, and I know him a little bit just from uh, from comics. I mean, he's sort of a he's sort of a you know Superman <laughs> Superman esque kind of character in his in his own right. Um, but I did not do any uh, additional. Uh, research, you know, I talked with, uh, you know, the the director and the producer about uh, sort of sort of who this this Monel is or who you know who he is in this story, um, and then we just uh, we just uh, created him together. And then, kind of, without getting into spoilers, because I don't want to ruin it for anyone, he does have a really interesting arc in this story. But what I wanted to just ask was, when you're working with a character like this and this kind of arc that takes him to a very different place later in the film how do you how do you find those kind of shades of light and dark in your voice when you're trying to portray a character like that well yeah i know it's hard to talk about uh, <laughs> without uh, giving too much away and i and i love all the you know the twists and turns that uh that you get in this movie um i uh, again i worked with you know i worked with them to find uh, uh the right balance um you know i i brought sort of what what i you know brought naturally to the to the table and then we uh we use that uh for you know for for the story to uh wow it is it is hard yeah, that, i know uh, i've been agonizing over this all day <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was definitely it was definitely a group effort um and and i'm really glad with uh with how it came out it was it was really fun yeah something else which kind of really fascinates me and I have to try and put it to the back of my mind when I'm watching it, but it it always kind of comes to the fore is the fact that most of the time as an actor, you're recording alone in the booth, you know, you're without your fellow cast and it just, it absolutely fascinates me. How do you find those emotional connections with characters who, you know, aren't there? Uh, I have a wild imagination, (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, which, which I I use as my, my greatest weapon as an actor. Uh, but also uh, Wes Gleason, the voice director, um, you know, especially when you're working, and you know, it's great when you can get in a room with a bunch of other actors, and sometimes we do group records, although very few these days, yeah. uh, post-pandemic, for sure. Um, but even even heading into, you know, the pandemic, it, there were fewer of those than we used to do. Um, and that's when, you know, trusting the voice director really uh, is, is, is very powerful. Um, they they know the whole story. They know the other characters. They know, um, you know, what, what everyone needs. And so we work together to, to really make it sound like, uh, you know, I'm talking to, to somebody else. I mean, sometimes the, you know, Wes would, would read in the other character's <laughs> line for me, even though nobody else was, was there. Um, and, you know, you never know. Sometimes that, that actor has recorded that line. Sometimes they haven't. Um, uh, and, you know, Wes has more to go on if they've recorded it. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but even even without it, it's really nice to have somebody who who knows, you know, for the, has a real you know top down view of the whole uh, thing and, and knows what's going to work and what's not going to work. Because I'll try some things sometimes, and you know they're like, yeah, well, here let me give you some more information. This is the situation, um, it, you know, and it, it helps me dial in my performance. But um, but I do I do miss group records. I'm not going to lie. I yeah. do miss hanging yeah. out with other actors. And then you kind of you go to the other extreme of the scale and you go into these huge action sequences and Monel has a couple of really great ones in this film particularly um is that something that you enjoy performing you know when you spend those days that you're just grunting into a microphone I actually do <laughs> um again again my imagination is uh is the wild and powerful and um and I I love I love playing you know playing fighting <laughs> or <laughs> whatever you want to call it um it's uh it's, it's fun to get into that mindset to do those things that, you know, obviously I'm not doing in my real life. <laughs> it's like a therapy session, right? Exactly. Exactly. Don't, right. I should be paying them, right? <laughs> Wait, but don't, don't, don't tell them I said that. Oh, 
No, you touched on this already, and I don't want to remind you that it was 2006 that the Legion series was on, but obviously there is some crossover in terms of characters that were in that series that are in this film as well. What do you think it is about these these characters that makes them so popular? I, you know, I mean, super groups are popular no matter how you do it, but I, I love the way the Legion is stacked. It's not five heroes who sort of, run the gamut of all the powers you need. It's spread out over a, a you know, a bunch of, uh, you know, a, a lot more characters, some of whom, uh, you know, have powers that you would look at and go, that's not even a superpower. And they find ways to, to you know, use it to be heroes. And they're, they're also, they're, they're teens. They're going through teen stuff. Um, you know, I mean, you know, the, the Justice League, they're all, you know... <laughs> Battle, battle hardened and tested, and you know they still fight a lot with each other. But, um, but they, but they, they're very sort of confident in, in who they are. And I love the idea that the Legion of Superheroes is, is you know a, 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 you know more untested, and they're still sort of finding their feet and finding out even sometimes why they were chosen to be in, in the Legion. I mean, they all wanted to be there, but um, sometimes they're, you know like Arms Fall Off Boy has always been one of my favorite characters, and I <laughs> always loved him show up um, and Ben Diskin was hilarious so as usual <laughs> and so yeah I mean you mentioned that you you know you've played several of the L's now we've had Kal-El we've had Mon-El we've had Jor-El and then I was trying to track through IMDB other DC characters that you've played and there's no way that you could write an exhaustive list because I think we wouldn't have enough time in in the day but you know you've played the Flash <laughs> you've played Robin you've played Superboy you've played Shazam is there is there anyone left in the DC universe that you'd like to play you know, I'm I'm an old school comic book nerd, so yes, there will always be characters <laughs> I want to play. I mean, you know, there's there's always Batman. Uh, that was the. F- I mean, <laughs> you know, there will forever be there will forever be Batman. Yep, absolutely. Um, that's always the, my first yeah. choice. <laughs> I'm always going to say Batman. Yeah. <laughs> you, talk to, you talk to any actor, and they'll say Batman. <laughs> um, even 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 most of the women will say, "Yeah, I love that." Batman wants to play Batman. And then um, I suppose there, there are plenty. Just touching on the DC universe, kind of as a whole, and it, it, I mean, it's probably similar to, to the Legion characters themselves, really. But what what is it that keeps you coming back to the DC universe? Uh, you know, it's it's the, it's the storytelling. Um, you know, I'll I'll go to any universe where we get to see these stories played out over and over again, uh, with heroes who who on one hand are you know can be super powerful, um, and yet we still. You know, they, the stories they're telling, you still find a way to feel for them. You still find a way to, you know, get in their heads, even though you don't have those powers. And I was a kid who grew up, you know, wanting to be a superhero. And, and I and I still love imagining, you know, what if I were? What if I had that power? What if I could make, you know, make this kind of difference? Um, and I think it, you know, I think those stories inspire us. You know, it's our, it's our you know, our mythology these days. And um and hopefully we can learn some good lessons from it. But in the meantime, even if it's just inspiring, that's good enough for me. Absolutely, yeah. That's that's just that's the perfect way to put it. Actually, it really is. It's our it's our modern mythology, isn't it? So yeah. what's um yeah. what's next for you? What are you working on at the moment? Uh, I'm, you know, that's the, that's always a tough question. I know. Like, hey, don't talk about the thing <laughs> that you're working. That's on. why I like to ask the question. Um, but <laughs> but I have. Uh, uh, some some shows that uh, that haven't been announced yet, and some uh, uh, video games that I've been working on. Some uh, are you know fairly fairly on down the line, uh, and will be coming out soon. Uh, and uh, some we've only just begun, but uh, but it's it's been fun. And, and then I, uh, my wife and I run a production you know our own production company, and we're always trying to to write and produce things. So we've got some things bubbling there as well. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, I can't wait to see fans' reactions to your version of Monel because it's something very special. Me too. Thank you. I appreciate you saying that. And thanks again to Yuri for sitting down to chat with me about it. Let's dive straight into another interview from the cast of Legion of Superheroes. So this time you're going to hear James, who sat down with Zeno Robinson that plays the Invisible Kid, uh, to chat about joining the Legion of Superheroes, and what it was like to get to be part of the DC Universe. Over to you, James. Hi, Dino. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? 
I'm good, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I haven't long finished watching um, Legion of Superheroes. Um, I had a great time. I've um, been really, really enjoying all the DC animated stuff. Um, I feel like it's come a long, long way. Um, so I was super happy with how it all turned out. And um, um, how? what are your thoughts on it? On, on DC animated content in general? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I love the, the, I think uh, DC animation and, and, and Warner Bros. animation have, have long been like, you know, uh, champions and pioneers of, of the craft of animated storytelling. And I think this dates back to Batman the Animated Series and then Superman and Justice League and, and everything since. Um, you know, Batman Beyond being one of my personal favorites. I think they're just, they're, they're, they've always been champions of animated content. And I think that trend continues, uh, even with, with this past release of, of Super Sons. I had a personal favorite in uh, Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, that was, uh, as someone who loves Ninja Turtles and loves Batman, uh, I was like a big, big fan of that movie. Um, and uh, and now with, uh, with, with oh, even with uh, Batman The Long Halloween, and now with Legion Superior. Yeah, there have been some really, really good hits out there. And... and um... Obviously, this isn't your first kind of DC rodeo. Um, you've been Cyborg, um, Jimmy Olsen. Um, but what can you tell us about um, this version of uh, the Invisible Kid? Um, where do we find him in Legion of Superheroes? Um, this version of Invisible Kid, you find him sort of uh, as like a legionnaire in training. He is still trying to figure out how his powers work. He really wants, really, really wants to prove himself to the, uh, you know, the upper echelon uh, legionnaires, and, and he, his goal is he, he just wants to, he wants to be inducted, he wants to be a legionary, he wants to be in the Legion of Superheroes, but first he has to kind of master uh, his powers alongside, uh, he's got a couple of friends, and, you know, I'm swelling off boy, and, uh, you know, bouncing kid, and, um, you know, a tricky girl, and so, you know, him and this kind of, and his, and his classmates are all just trying to, uh, figure it out. They're all just trying to prove themselves. I think is a better word. Yeah, free. absolutely. And there are so many characters in the DC universe. Um, and I'd be amazed if someone knew every single character that was in existence. And was Invisible Kid a character you were familiar with, or um, was that something you had to kind of like find out for yourself? I I personally didn't know much about him um, when I saw him. So that was a nice kind of um eye-opener for me i guess in a way yeah i i also uh very much like you did not know much about invisible kid i knew of the legion from the legion superheroes cartoon you know and i read a little bit of legion lost so i knew like i i knew like you know lightning lad and tyrod but invisible kid was a legionnaire i did not know of so when i i got the call to uh, play Invisible Kid, I was like, whoa, who is this guy? So I, I, I took to doing a lot of research, and uh, I was like, oh, cool, like, he, he's someone who we haven't really seen, and I really, really loved that about him, and made um, working on him and playing him more exciting, because it was exciting to sort of bring this fresh face that we haven't seen to uh, a wide audiences, and in the hopes of, you know, um, maybe he can be used more. Uh, audiences loving him and finding out more about him and taking to the comics and you know making him not so maybe unknown to people exactly and i think that's what these dc uh, especially the animated movies do so well is they bring forth um iterations and new characters that maybe don't have that opportunity in kind of like the the limelight but like you said it's a great introduction for um people to become accustomed to some of these characters um and I think he's just one of the many characters that people will look around and go, okay, I like where this is going. Can we have more? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I agree with that. So like that. And that's what I try to do in the performance is try to make them really likable and endearing and, and hopefully people love them and love more of them. And, and as a voice actor, and you've brought so many awesome characters to life from you know, Cyborg, of course, at Hawks uh, from My Hero Academia, um, Thrash from Transformers Earth Spark as well, um, even uh, Dragon Ball Z superhero um, as Gamma 2, um, who I absolutely loved. Um, how do you go about finding that voice 
to suit that character what do you have a process or is it kind of very natural yeah usually my process in, in finding a voice it always kind of starts with myself like what about myself do i connect with in, in the character like like reading the lines out loud and, and making them my own and like what does this sound like with with me as the centerpiece with me as the core um, and then sometimes I can get like some direction, like for example, Hawks, of course, is a, has a completely different placement than Thrash. Um, but uh, Hawks is, is still the characterization of him comes from me and like maybe a cooler, more laid back, more nonchalant version of myself. Where Thrash is a younger, more upbeat, more you know, uh, fun loving, uh, and, and a party guy <laughs> version of myself. <laughs> Um, and sometimes I can have, like, with, with Hawks, I have my, my director call me and was like, okay, like, place it more here, make it more this, can we, can we make the voice look deeper and match the character, things like that, even with Invisible Kid, it, it was a lot of, uh, not even a lot of, it was just more like, Wes was just, he, he was just like, oh, just say, you know, you don't have to do, much, do too much with your voice, yeah, like, right there is great, um, that vocal placement, it was really close to my natural voice, and a lot of it was in the energy of the character, uh, making him very, like, Youthful, and even when we went back for ADR, like it was more like, oh hey, like you, uh, we have to let, let's get it back to that place that it was, like place it kind of here. Remember we did this, blah 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 blah. So the directors sometimes also have like a specific vision uh, of what they want you to do with it and uh, where it lives, and they can remind you of that. Oh wow, that's it's I I love speaking to voice actors. If if I could do it every day, I I think I would, because um, I find it really <laughs> really interesting. Um, that you can bring these characters to life, but also that there is an actual process behind kind of understanding these characters on a personal level, but also on a like a physical level and bringing these voices kind of to fruition. And um, voice acting is often a very solo experience. Uh, it's just you in the booth. Um, and you mentioned with Invisible Kid, it, it was all about the energy. Um, how do you find that energy and kind of form those emotional connections with characters and um in mm. scenes that kind of don't exist in front of you um what do you uh, what do you do uh i think it's more about uh just making it real for yourself like you find the energy in in making and grounding it completely 100 percent in truth um and i think wes is a director that prefers uh you know that kind of realism, that grounded reality that's rooted in truth. And I think DC does that a lot, is very good at those kind of storytelling. They're taking these big ideas, superheroes, the future, but how do we make it real? How do we still give it that element of uh, uh, these are real people uh, and real characters, um, and they're not like caricatures, or they're not like too quote-unquote... I don't even think anything, there's a such thing as too cartoony with a cartoon, but like uh, they're not too, I guess, bigger than the world around them mm. um and uh, i think with this specifically it was he's just he's a kid he's a kid who who uh is, is charming and likes to joke and is just naturally inherently funny and you know and things are happening and what uh, realistically what is what is are those circumstances for him and just really really leaning into that like giving yourself up to the circumstances yeah absolutely that's that's a really cool way of putting it and like i said i just love hearing individuals experience with how they deal with approaching new characters and obviously you've you've done so so much and it is it's awesome and especially with the superhero genre um there must be a part of you that is excited as a fan um and because even before I, i asked any questions you were reeling off all your favorite animated shows, films, and I was just wondering, what was your first interaction with the DC kind of universe for you, like um, as a kid, or maybe when you were a bit more um, kind of grown up? Mm. I I want to say my first interaction was uh, Batman the animated series or. Superman, one of the two. Mm. I just remember. I remember like uh, my earliest memory has to have been. There was one scene. It might have been from the Sub Zero movie of Batman. But I'm not sure. But I just remember Robin recovering from something. 
<laughs> you know, and, and Batman, like, sort of being there. I think the first thing that I can remember that had impact on me was probably Batman Beyond, because I had a Batman Beyond Halloween costume. I was Batman Beyond in here. Um, but, yeah, those, those are probably my intros. I had Superman 64 as a kid, so if that came out, or if I had that before I watched the show, that, that was definitely my first experience. <laughs> I I remember having a Superman Returns um, Halloween costume that I wore. I think I think so many days straight. I think my character at the beginning was was definitely Superman, and then suddenly the kind of the world just opens up to you, and you find so many new characters that you can find, relate to, and enjoy. And like right. I said, it's um, what these DC movies do is just completely open up your eyes to so much more than what is in front of you i guess mm-hmm. but um and kind of just a last question um is there a character in the dc world that you haven't played that maybe you would like to <laughs> yeah my answer to this question is always static um i really really static's my favorite uh dc character um watching static shock as a kid really really made me aware of my my racial identity <laughs> uh, and why representation and diversity is important and why it's important to me uh, because of the impact that show had on me. So um, for many reasons, so close to my heart, like meeting Gwen McDuffie and how I, I see myself in Virgil and it was the first time I ever saw myself in anyone. Um, uh, that's a character that I, uh, the absolute dream uh, would be absolute dream to play. That sounds like it'd be a really, really special one. Thank you, thank you for sharing that with me. That was really nice. Um, and fingers crossed, never say never. Never say never. <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, thank you so much for taking the time to talk um, to me today. Uh, again, I can't wait for everyone to watch The Legion of Superheroes. Um, it was great fun. And um, I think they're going to walk away with a new batch of favourite characters. And I hope that pushes people okay. to then kind of move on and kind of do their own research for them and find out what else the Legion has to offer. Yeah, and, like, hopefully, like, it increases demand for, like, more Legion stuff, you know? Um, I think that that, that's a world that, besides that other show, has been kind of largely untouched outside of this movie and Young Justice. And there's so many other stories that can be told within that universe um, and within that that world. So, yeah, I agree. I think that people are going to come away with a new set of favorite characters uh, that they'll hopefully demand to see more. Perfect. Thank, thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. And um, good luck with everything in the future as well, of course. So there we have it. That is all four of our interviews with the cast and creative team behind Legion of Superheroes. I hope you really got to enjoy listening to those. It's great that we keep getting to come back to these casts and these creatives each time these movies come out and talk to them about expanding this wonderful wonderful dc universe that we are getting to see on film i think my final thoughts on this one before i wrap it up it's really nice to see how the animation style has developed from superman man of tomorrow into the rest of the films we know from when we talked about justice society world war ii that there was uh, some changes made to kind of refine the animation style and I think you can see that again through Batman Year One and again through uh, Green Lantern Beware My Power and into this film and I think it's really come into its own and I know there were people out there that were unsure about it when it was first introduced but I think this is really becoming a firm favourite with fans which is very very exciting and I'm looking forward to seeing what happens next. Now if you haven't seen this film yet please do stay until the end of the end credits because there is a bonus scene and I think that bonus scene goes a long way to setting up what we're going to see in Justice League War World which is coming out later this year. Next up is the Batman the Doom that came to Gotham film which is going to release over the summer so I think we're most likely to see War World releasing in the kind of September October time around when um, the Super Sons movie released last year. If the pattern tracks that's when I think we should be expecting to see it. So hopefully we get to sit down with these guys again and talk about what's going on after this post credit scene because it, uh, yeah, there is, there's a lot hanging in the balance as we go into the long wait for the next chapter in this story. 
If you have checked out the film or if you're going to pick it up this week and give it a watch, please do get in touch and let me know what you thought. You can find me on social media at Neil Vag and you can find us at Get Your Comic Con and our website is www.getyourcomiccon.co.uk. Max will be reviewing the film up on there for us and we will have plenty of teasers from these interviews up on the website as well as all the latest news and everything else that's going on. We are going to be back sooner rather than later because this Friday, as I'm recording this, so that's going to be Friday the 10th of February 2023, the embargo lifts on Star Trek Picard Season 3. I have seen, or should I say Boy Wonder, and I have seen six of the ten episodes of Picard Season 3. So we're going to be bringing you some spoiler-free thoughts on the brand new season. Uh, There's not a lot that we can talk about because it's all very secretive, but... We'll be bringing you our thoughts on that, ready for the embargo to lift. So we'll be back with you very, very soon. So until then, stay safe, stay well. Thank you, as always, for listening, and I'll see you soon. Bye.